experience Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in 3D. Scott Lang, you have a daughter. You're an Avenger. But out here, you're out of your league. On February 17th. Kang's a monster. He can shatter existence. An Avenger. I don't care what he can do. I'm getting us home. Must face a conqueror. You may not want her to watch this. Yeah! I'm sorry, Cassie. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Experience it in 3D. February 17th. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am joined once again by very, very good friend of the podcast and uh, valued contributor, Piper Sample. Hi, Piper. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm coming through it. I'm super happy it's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um, I'm good. I guess I'm super happy it's Friday, too. I'm very tired. It was one of those nights where it was just a sleepless night, and no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get to sleep. So I'm here fatigued and slow, but trusting the slowness and seeing you know where this wants to take us in today's exploration. Cool. I look forward to uh, hanging out with you in the slowness. Feels good. Good. Me too. So having said that, why don't we just jump into it? I thought today might be a good opportunity to catch up with the Jen Shaw situation. As most people listening to this, I'm sure already know, Jen has been arrested on some pretty serious fraud charges. I'm curious just one about your initial reaction to the news in general. I know for me, um, just coming out of the gate, I think there were two things that really stood out to me in hearing about this. One, just the fact that I, I believe this is the first time that a housewife is really being charged with being what I would call a criminal mastermind. I mean, we've we've seen other housewives get in trouble before, but I think in each instance, and I'm thinking here, obviously, Teresa Giudice, who went to jail, or someone like Erica Jane. I'm also thinking a bit of Vicky Gumbelson, who got herself embroiled in a cancer scam, even though she didn't end up going to jail for it. But I think the difference between these situations is that in those cases... It really was more the man who was undertaking the criminal action. And I think for those women, there's definitely some question about how much did they know? What did they know? When did they know it? And there's definitely a sense that there's more culpability than maybe either one of them truly wants to admit along the way. But the difference between those situations and this is in this instance, you know, Jen is really the criminal mastermind and that this isn't just you know, a woman who was along for the ride. It's not a situation where, yeah, there are some third party victims who I don't know about who I'm turning a blind eye to. 
if the case against her is true, this is a woman who is knowingly and willingly duping people out of their money and orchestrating some really high-level conspiracy fraud. So I find that really interesting. Um, And then I think piggybacking that, what I also find interesting about this is that my own personal experience of Jen over the season, and you and I have discussed this, I think we're on a similar page, is that I actually, in a lot of ways, liked her. You know, I mean, it's not that I didn't see her problematic behavior, but I always felt her vulnerability. And um, I always felt her desire for connection. And um, even on a deeper level, I really experienced her as a woman who did have a lot of fear and who was hiding that fear behind a lot of bluster. So I think for me, even though I'm definitely the last person to ever make easy categorizations about good people or bad people, and I'm the first person to understand that criminal has their humanity and that you know a so-called upstanding citizen also has their shadow— I do have to say there was still something really jarring to me about having been on this experience of the first season of the show with this polarizing, provocative woman who I did truly on some level have a certain affection for, even amidst all our problematic behavior. And for me, squaring that with, okay, here's this woman who I saw... In really fragile places, I saw her her deep vulnerability with her husband. I felt the places where she's felt abandoned. And now here's this other possible side to her as this criminal mastermind. And I just, that, that I don't know what to call it. I don't know if you'd call it duality, that tension, that polarity. It's interesting to me. And part of me wants to explore that a little bit about how to hold these different parts of Jen and maybe even see if we can get some intuitive flavor of how she holds these different parts of herself inside of herself and how she navigates her own life as a woman who clearly, clearly she's not thinking of herself as a bad person, you know, and clearly she does have all these very human vulnerable places, but then in secret on the sidelines, she's doing things that are quite naughty. So that's kind of what I'm most immediately here with when I hear this news. But I'm just curious for you, like what comes up for you when you take in or hear the news about Jen? Yeah. When I heard, like, I think you were the one that actually said, did you hear, you know, this news? I don't, I didn't hear it before you said something, or I might've heard a blurb or something, but didn't really kind of blew it off. And when I, blew it off. It was because I could feel the place in me that I didn't want this to be true. Like it's kind of almost like Erica Jane and, and her husband, you know, it was like, okay, mm, I still don't want that to be true. I just don't want that to be true about people that I'm genuinely rooting for on some level, because I, I almost feel like disappointed and betrayed and really sad You know, I just, I feel bummed out because she displayed so many awful behaviors in so many different contexts. Like her meanness that came out when she was deeply hurt was so to like cruel, really cruel. Like, you know, she would literally go for the jugular and I still, I don't know, I still wanted to say, she feels that much. If we could just turn that corner with her, look what she could do. And 
that's the kind of the way it feels. It's like, okay, this woman is fucking smart and really cruel. I was thinking about like how she, like what she had to tell herself to, to be able to do this. And I, I was like, what I heard was they deserve it. I'm, if I'm smarter than them, they deserve it. I mean, come on. Who's that stupid? It's like a true, and I don't want to put her in a category either. Like I'm, I'm, and I'm certainly not qualified to diagnose anybody, but when I have read about narcissism, when I have just done the, the little behind the scenes research myself, it's like, okay, her picture could be up there. Piper. I mean, I'm freaking out right now because, yeah, I li- so before this podcast, I just sat down for 20 minutes and just, you know, dropped into different things. First thing I dropped into was Jen towards the victims. Literally <laughs> exactly what I heard. I mean, I'm I, I want to like so get crazy. my notes out. It was like, um, yeah, I pulled one over on you. Um, if you were dumb enough to get duped, if you were dumb enough to oh. fall for this, then you fucking deserve it. That's literally that's right. what I heard. And that's right. When I dropped into it even more deeply, just to get more of the specific flavor of it, it really, for me, was this sense of the system cheated me, so I get to cheat the fucking system. You know, and kind of looking at these people as just these pawns in a system that's Mm -hmm. failed Jen. So I get to take what I want. And then, yeah, exactly. These people are dumb for letting themselves get played. No one's really there for me in this system. So I get to take what I fucking want. And it feels Mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, I just, was you were talking, I had a visual of, you know, walking behind someone who, you know, drops a hundred dollar bill and you see it happen, you pick it up. And what do you do? You're like, Hey, you dropped, you dropped your money, but somebody like her, what she does is she doesn't even think twice. Like, Oh, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Like it's, it's there for the taking. You dropped it. I saw it. It's mine. Mm -hmm. So there's something I could just see her, you know, kind of as a, as a kid. I don't know if you've ever been in that position before where you, you had the opportunity to keep something that was lost or to return it. And like, what did you have to grapple with there? And how did you decide or did it just automatically happen? So somehow I feel like in her, for whatever reason, there's kind of like a orientation to I'm, I'm taking advantage of opportunity and if opportunity isn't around me i'm going to create it and still take advantage of it yeah yeah i mean i definitely i agree with you i feel so much entitlement and to me it feels like it comes from this place of something's owed to me and Mm -hmm. as i was exploring her landscape around this i i did drop into well what about kind of an honest day's work what about an honest business, which by the way, I think she's had some honest businesses. And I'm so curious about that. Like there's a makeup line. I think there was an eyelash extension line or fake eyelashes. And I'm so curious, were those earning money? Like how much money were they earning? And the follow-up question to that, which I'm going to answer my own question 
if she has these viable businesses, you know, why not be throwing her weight behind those, you know, rather than creating this criminal enterprise. And, you know, the feeling that I got when I was dropping into her was this sense of even if, I mean, there is this part of me that feels like she has some sense that the kind of wealth and the kind of money that she really wants and craves for herself, somehow she can't create for herself yes. on her own. Yes. Um, well, I want, okay, let me finish. I'm curious what's coming through you, but let me just finish this thought. Um, and then what also comes through is this sense of, let's just say though, she could create it through an honest way of earning a living. I have this feeling like that still wouldn't be satisfying to her, that there is this angry, defiant, entitled place where she feels like something, she was cheated of something or something was taken of her. And that voice, that energy needs to live through this secret world and that it's so intoxicatingly powerful. It creates this intoxicating sense of power. I'm getting one over on you. There's like a charge in it. And that some place where she feels unheard in her anger, in this place where she was wronged, it's like no fucking way am I earning an honest day's living. Like that wouldn't let me feed this charge. I have to feed. I have to be getting one over on the system, on people. I have to be getting one over on people. Like I'm going to win. You don't get the last word. Mm -hmm. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. And underneath that, it feels to me when I was saying yes, I, I feel like there's a deep place in her. It could be karmic, but it's like, it doesn't believe that part does not believe that she can do it in, in an above board way that, that she's going to either get killed for it. Something's going to happen there. I feel her as someone that really, I always think, I don't always, I often think about things in, in direction, directional, like, are you moving towards expansion? Are you contracting? Are you, are you reaching for your highest good? Are you deep in your shadow? Like what's being expressed here? And what I was sensing this place, what she doesn't really believe if she actually could harness her belief and like step into that and act from that place. I feel like not only could she be really, really successful, but she might actually want to do something with it for her crusade, whatever, you know, like I could see her doing it to give to the larger mm -hmm. rather than just keeping it for herself. But that distortion, that disbelief, it's like a fear, a hurt, and it just turns turns it around and whatever she was betrayed, it's like, she's going to do it first and put that in front of it. Yeah, exactly. It makes me so curious about where this came from. I did do a little bit of research about her just to see if I could pick up some threads, but there's not a ton out there about, I mean, you know, we know what we already know from the show, which is, um, I think her father was Tongan. Her mother was Hawaiian. They moved to Salt Lake City, which is where she was raised. I don't know what their financial situation was growing up because when I part of what I dropped into was just Jen's relationship to things 
you know, the clothes, the house, because that's another thing that's come out now, too, is that, you know, she was renting that house and passing it off as, you know, property that she owned. So clearly she's got a lot invested in the trappings and also the appearance of the trappings. And the voice that I heard around her relationship to the trappings was very much, no, I'll show you, like, I can have this stuff, too. You know, I'll show you. And I also kind of started to see the other women, actually, from the show. Like, I saw Meredith. You know, I saw Lisa. I saw Heather from Jen's point of view of, I get to have this stuff, too. And this kind of, even when I bring them in, I feel this resentment that comes in. Like, it's not fair that you guys get this, and I don't get to have it. So I'm going to have it, and I'm going to have it now. And in that place where there's some idea that she can't generate that on her own through an honest means through the system that exists, she's just going to take what she wants to take. And so, yeah, I do get curious about where did that initial belief get formed that she can't generate this on her own? Like, was this a socioeconomic class issue where maybe she didn't have as much in her peers as her peers in Utah? Is part of this, you know, some of the struggles she spoke about in terms of being a woman of color in white Utah or slash and was this playing out on a much more personal level in terms of just family dynamics and maybe something that was going on there where parts of her were denied or maybe she got messages around what it means to be a woman versus a man and, and you know, her her ability to generate for herself or, yeah, maybe there was some some part of her energy that she felt got cut off early on. I mean, we don't have these answers, but it's definitely, I just get so curious about where did that belief in her stem from? Because that it really does feel like she's acting from that place of, I learned this lesson that I'm not allowed to create what I want to create. I'm looking out and seeing all these other people create it for themselves. It's not fair. So now I'm going to take what's mine. And don't you dare tell me I can't have it now. Mm-hmm. Like that's where all her rage goes. Yeah, I feel it on all levels there. Even just knowing that in her little promo or whatever that little intro piece that they do, where she's talking about converting from being a Mormon to Muslim because of what she learned after the fact. So she was groomed, even in a religion that she didn't find out till later, wouldn't allow someone like she was married to hold priesthood. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. That's really interesting. I feel like you're bringing up some really interesting points because the truth of the matter is, I feel like there's so much time and energy spent in the show exploring, for example, Heather's relationship to the church, Whitney's relationship to the church, Lisa's relationship to the church, but we actually never really got into Jen's history with the church, which by her account, is just as conflicted as, say, a Heather or a Whitney. And I think what's so interesting is that there is so much information there. If we actually stop to take in and dismantle some of what she's saying about her past relationship with the church. I mean, just first and foremost, even the fact that her family was Mormon, which we never learned anything about. I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming they converted to Mormonism once they moved to Salt Lake City, which that right there is information about the kind of 
home and family structure that she grew up in, that she came from a family that was part Tongan, Hawaiian, I believe she said part Chinese. They moved to Salt Lake City and then they adopted this religion that by all accounts is predominantly white and doesn't seem altogether welcoming to people that basically aren't white. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. I actually don't know that much about Mormonism. I'm more or less going off kind of what I hear from the show and from pop culture. Um, and even if, let's just say for some reason, they were Mormon before they moved to Salt Lake City, and maybe that's why they moved to Salt Lake City. Again, I don't really know the history of what went on with her family. But even so, the fact that she would come from a Tongan, Hawaiian, Chinese family that for some reason was Mormon back in Hawaii, that's information about the family system that she grew up in. And I think it's so interesting because I actually, as part of my exploration of Jen coming into this podcast, I actually did take a moment just to drop into what I intuitively picked up on as what I would call Jen's higher self. And so when I use the term higher self, you know, for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with that language, that basically means, you know, feeling who someone is in their essence. Like if someone has um, the opportunity to really heal whatever it is in them that needs to be healed and to untangle their knots and to work through their distortions. And if their energy were really allowed and supported to flow freely and it's sort of quote unquote in the best version of itself, who is that person integrated, let's say. And so for Jen, when I dropped into her, honestly, what I felt from her was such a deep rich connection to her heritage like it really feels like this is a woman who deep down her soul longs to be connected to her her cultural and ancestral roots and it's interesting because i think you even use the word karmic before that there might be something karmic here and that's almost what it feels to me like on a soul level that this is this is a soul that feels lost and she's really yearning for something in terms of that connection to her heritage and to her ancestry. And I I mean, you see it on the show. I mean, just the fact that, I mean, it was played for laughs. And yes, it was funny because it was so self-involved. But just the fact that she brought in these Tongan dancers to Meredith's birthday party, it's sort of everywhere on her. I think this is a woman who really, really longs for that connection to her people. And so if we trust that information, just the fact that she's in a family unit and in a family system that's basically saying, we're not going with our roots. Instead, we're going with this other predominantly white religion that's all about control and it's all about kind of, um, yeah, rigidity keeping things locked down in a lot of ways. It's about a certain image of perfection. And then your gen and your, your spirit kind of wants to move in a much more kind of organic way that feels sort of true to you and to where you come from. That right there, it's going to influence how you orient between yourself and the world. And so then bringing in what you're saying on top of that, right, that this was a woman who went along with Mormonism for a long time. So it wasn't like Jen was sitting there saying, I don't want to be a Mormon. She was, from all accounts, a devout Mormon. So on some conscious level, she's not really questioning anything. On some level, it seems she's betraying herself. And then she meets Sharif. And it's only through meeting Sharif and him saying to her, look, I can't convert 
to your religion because your religion literally did not allow black people until the 70s, a.k.a. there's some really deep history and roots of racism, and I don't feel comfortable joining that community. And per Jen's description, that was the moment where she first started questioning her religion. And then she made the decision to leave the religion. So again, I just bring this all up because it's information, right? When you talk about, you know, this sense of betrayal and being let down that this was a woman who clearly was fed certain notions and ideas of what she should be doing and how she should be acting and that Mormonism is the way. And it sort of goes against her inner nature. And she she toes that line and she makes these decisions to cut off from certain parts of herself. And then she gets this outside information that actually this religion, you know, isn't really open to all these parts of you and actually this religion isn't really sort of looking out for your best interest and you actually have to choose something else in order to stand by your husband and your sons. All of that, right, is information around what we are currently speaking to, this sense that there is a system that's not there for you. There is a way in which you don't work within the system. And that honestly, there's something kind of inherently wrong with you. And in order for you to choose you, you have to turn your back on things that you know and love and were told is the right way to go for your entire life. So if you feel those little points of betrayal, it feels like they've been there all along somehow, like in every corner she turned sort of gave her more fuel for that, which I think is interesting because oftentimes for me, I'll hear those sort of patterns that show up like that. Like, okay, look at all these opportunities that she had to do exactly what you said, which is dig in and, and show them through just being, but somehow there's that when you don't have that belief, you have to prove. And if you're looking around and this is what it looks like from the outside in, you, you try to mimic it, right? It's like that there's something so cut off from her experience and like what she's actually living. Right, exactly. And so then there is this inherent message that she is getting on so many different levels, right? Because she's getting in the message being, you're not okay. You know, you are not okay on some level. She's getting it from her family who says that she needs to be Mormon. And presumably in that message is something about like your cultural heritage isn't fully okay. But then she's also getting that message from Utah. I mean, she herself said that everyone in Salt Lake City thought that she was black because they basically saw someone of a different skin color and assumed she was black and they didn't care to get to know her. They didn't care to get curious about her. She was just kind of put on the sidelines as a black woman. So there's there's a message she's getting from the culture she grew up in. And then she's also getting that message from Mormonism itself because, again, she had to choose her husband and her sons over Mormonism. So it's like every step of the way, Jen is getting this message that on some level she doesn't belong and that her way of living and of being or existing doesn't work or isn't right. And that there really is no space for her to just even have a basic sense of who she is, of what's right for her, and how she would even want to create in her life. I don't know if you've caught this. I was thinking about this in like the first couple episodes where you saw her interact with 
I think it was Meredith and what's the other one that looks like Meredith? Lisa. Yes. The two of them, they're together. I don't know what it was that I saw, but I remember feeling her trying to almost in the same energy as, um, is it Heather? Yeah. Kind of that, that same idea where you don't get to exclude me. I've earned my place at the table here and I'm going to, I'm going to step in here, but almost you can feel the energy a little pulled back. So when you say a part of her is pulling back, which part of her is that for you? I think it's the part of her that almost, and this is the thing, it's on that same thread of opposites where either it's like a fragile person that sits up and says, I'm better than you. I'm teetering on this pedestal that I've put myself on to make you believe I belong here. But if I show myself too much, you might see me mm-hmm. or the falseness that's here. I see. But I'm going to come in with a punch that is connected to her, the fire that she could be using to do this in a in an honest way. Yeah. So what I really hear you saying here is speaking to this tension of opposites going on and said, inside Jen, that that she's ultimately, she's this fiery woman, right? Who's got all this strong life force energy in her. And then she's told, basically, there's something wrong with you. You don't belong here. That energy doesn't belong here. And so that wound or that experience of getting shut down then creates a kind of fragility in her. There's a wounded sense of self, a part of her that you know, as we're discussing, doesn't believe that she's okay or safe or able to be true to herself and to make it in this world. And so then it's like, well, then where does all that fire go, right? If she is actually in her essence, this passionate, fiery woman, where does she put that? And I feel like what happens in the place where it gets shut down or she learns that it's not totally okay, it comes in sideways, right? And that's the place where she's pissed, And that's the place where she starts to get this inflated sense of self and superiority. It's this part of her that just wants to say, I belong here too, like you're saying. And I demand my seat at the table. And by the way, I'm actually better than all of you. So on the one hand, she feels like an outsider, like you're saying. And there's that feeling of being an outsider and that feeling of fragility that then causes her to bitterly overcompensate with these feelings of superiority. And yes, like you're saying, she puts herself on this pedestal. She comes in with this punch. But all the while, she does have to maintain this balancing act, right? Because there's such a thin line between the fragility and also the superiority. And like you're saying, it's also like she kind of needs to, in some ways, at least try to keep all these warring parts of herself at bay because if, if, if she doesn't manage to balance it all, then it kind of invites people to start looking a little more closely at her bluster. And if people look a little bit more closely at her bluster, well, then it might not be too long before they see her deeper fragility. And then that's, it feels like it's a place that really, really threatens her. Um, so yeah, it's like, I totally get what you're saying. It's this idea that she's this fragile woman who's, uh, sort of very aggressively putting herself on this pedestal, but also kind of holding everything back in a way, or at least trying to, obviously she loses control a lot of the times. You know, I, I don't know. I know that we're operating on the assumption that it, it happened, 
but I can feel myself not want to believe it. Like, but I can see it now. At first I was like, I'm so shocked. But now when I hear some of the things that she said and feel it from another energy, it's like that, like you deserve it. All those little things that you said earlier, it's like, oof, that's coming in hard here. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I don't know if you've caught wind of this, but um, one of the pieces of this whole controversy is that Jen's social media presence, since this has all happened, has been, <laughs> has been very difficult for people. So basically she just, much like Erica Jane actually, and we're going to do an Erica Jane deep dive. We have to. Yeah. around. I want to do it around the premiere, which is next month, but very similar to Erica Jane. She's doing this thing where she's in a lot of ways posting on Instagram as if nothing's happening. I mean, literally, I one or two days after uh, she showed up at court for what's that? Is that called arraignment? Is that I'm not up on my legal indictment terms. arraignment? Yeah, yeah. Her first <laughs> court so. appearance. You know, the next day she was uh, reposting shots of her getting her hair done, chilling out on the stylist's couch on her phone acting very unbothered and you know people have just been saying to her and about her basically this is so tone deaf you know how can you be posting as if nothing's happening and when i drop into her around her instagram presence it is it's it's just that voice that just basically says you're not getting the best of me you're not gonna win i'm on <laughs> it is that it's like i'm unbothered you know and i'm not gonna let you see my feathers get ruffled I'm not going to let you have the last word or the last laugh. I'm going to fucking win. Even in the midst of like her being taken down. And you know, what, what everyone's saying as far as legal experts and armchair commentary is these kinds of charges don't get brought, particularly by the particular department that's bringing them, unless they have a really, really solid case. I mean, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion for most people who are in the know that she's going to be serving jail time. Like, she's going to be found guilty and she's going to be serving jail time. She's being taken down hard. And yeah, just feeling that stubborn place in her that's like, I don't care how hard I'm going down. I don't care. I don't care if there is literally video footage of me doing the thing they're accusing me of. You are not going to get me to budge. You are not going to get me to admit anything. And it is this huge feeling of just pride, pure and simple. Like, I am not giving you the pleasure of seeing me go down. So I, I think I just bring that up because it feels energy, energetically connected to, you know, some of what you were just saying as far as like putting herself on this pedestal and just this, it feels like such a power struggle. In a lot of ways, like all of this is connected to a feeling of power and sort of taking back power in a place where clearly she felt powerless. That's what makes it so sad to me because I feel, look, there's lots of leaders that are out there that share similar energy or leadership styles, uh, so to speak. And it's so sad because they have the makings you know, like the energy that the capacity to do so much meaningful change, like they have the ability to change their change makers and the, the need to use it for personal prop 
is is just I don't know. It just it breaks my heart a little. God, it's so interesting that you're saying all this because um, it really actually takes me back to um, when the news finally broke about uh, Trump's tax return, right? And they kind of finally made the details of that public and that there was kind of this overarching sense that, you know, he had, he had done a lot of maneuvering to basically avoid paying his taxes. And it was so interesting to me because I remember reading about that and taking in the information about kind of, you know, what he had engineered and how he'd moved things around. And I remember just taking it in and just having such a deep feeling for myself with regards to Trump of God, like, look what this guy can do. You know, I mean, to me, it actually felt like wizardry to me. And I remember, I, I really had this deep intuitive sense of it. Like I, I felt kind of literal smoke and mirrors and I heard the words. It's the title of that movie they made with Michelle Pfeiffer about Bernie Madoff, uh, wizard of lies like that. I kept hearing like wizard of lies and I kept hearing wizard. And to me, I, I more than ever, I just got this sense of like Trump's a magician. I mean, look at what he's creating here. Look at this, this huge kind of false sandcastle he created around his finances in order to like keep this machine of his financial life going. Um, I mean, even talking about it, there's a way in which I get pleasure talking about it because I can just feel the power of his creative energy here. He truly, when it comes to this, um, what feels like a shell game he's playing with his finances and really sort of doing everything he can to hold on to as much of his money as possible. He truly feels like a wizard who is able to enact these very complicated uh, magic tricks. And I remember sort of taking in his wizardry and just like what you're saying with Jen, I, I really had this deep question for myself of, Oh my God, what would, what would happen? If Trump took this same wizardry that I'm, you know, and again, I want to say this is my intuition of things. I know there are people out there who might see it differently. But from my sense of things, if he took this wizardry that's going full force into kind of protecting his own and in some ways kind of cheating the system and not wanting to fork over all the money he might have to fork over if he weren't, you know, creating this house of cards, what else could he be creating? What if he took this same wizardry and, 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 and black magic and put it towards the greater good? Or even, you know, like you're saying with Jen, it's a, it, it, if there is some sort of crusade in Trump or there's something that he's fighting for, like actually doing that in what I would call some sort of higher self way. Because energy is energy, right? And it's all creative energy. And this is true for all of us. You know, we all have things that we do that are either, you know, constructive and for our greater good and for the greater good of others. And then and there are things that we do that, um, you know, we could call the lower self. It's the ways that we get destructive. It's the way that we get distorted. It's the way that we act out against ourselves or others. But that's still creative energy. And that's still an expression of our life force. And so that's kind of why I'm always inviting people into like rather than judging yourself for the ways that maybe you act out or the ways that you get self-destructive or the way that you get destructive towards others. If you can instead hold that impulse and get more curious about where it's coming from and what voice needs and wants to be seen and heard. 
so that you can actually see and hear that part of you. And once that part of you gets seen or heard, then you can liberate that amazing creative energy and let it flow towards other things that might actually make you happier and make others happier. So um, this is all just to say, yeah, I'm totally right there with you. It's, it's, it's all this dark, negative pleasure energy that Jen is funneling into the secret world of power. It's, it does beg the question, what could be created if she weren't funneling it into this? Because I agree with you. She is a powerful creator. And she is a fiery woman and she's a smart woman. And there's a lot she could be doing with this energy if she were willing to engage with it in a different type of way. And on that note, I've been sitting here with the question of what on kind of a broad theoretical level, in terms of energy, what would need to truly be seen and heard for someone like Jen to be willing to give up, let's call it kind of the false pleasure and power of basically taking what's mine and screwing people over in the process and redirecting that towards some constructive end. Because again, it feels like the place in her that pulls back from that, you know, is a place that feels like something's gone unheard and unseen and unpaid for. So it's, it gets me curious and I'm, again, I have to reiterate, I'm so tired today because I barely got any sleep. So I'm going to try to piece my way through this in a succinct, clear way. But, you know, I mean, is it just as simple as she needs space, like whatever that place is where she got a message around Jen, you don't get that or you can't do that thing. You're not allowed or even your desire to create something is dumb you know whatever the message was that she just gets time and space to really own the place that wants to say fuck you i don't like this this is mine this is what i want like what needs to be excavated here i think part of why we don't really have the information at least for me is i find that out usually through hearing a perspective, uh, understanding how these perspectives got formed, where, where someone um, learned what they learned. And because I don't have that information, the only thing I can feel on an energetic level is that there's a, a split in reality. It's almost like a house of mirrors or something where Everywhere she looked, it was up to her and without the capacity at that time, somehow, or whenever this happened or however, like you, when you talk about power, the real powerlessness around knowing that she needs something to be different. That's not, and it's going to be up to her to make that happen. Well, what you're saying makes so much sense because one of the things that I did find so touching about her over the season you know i remember when she was telling her husband basically when she was confronting him about feeling abandoned by him around her father's funeral and i remember she made this comment where she said she said something to the effect of i was pretending to be strong and like i knew what i was doing but deep down i was so scared lost and confused and when i heard that for me the way that landed in me was 
oh, this, this, you could be talking about your entire life right now. That, that to me just feels like the whole metaphor of you are someone who has been, been pretending to know what they're doing. And deep down, you just feel so lost and scared. And it really touched me at the time. And so I love what you're saying because this brings back into uh, the conversation where we started, which was, you know, in a way, how do you square your experience of someone's humanity and vulnerability with then this really kind of criminal behavior? But what I hear you saying is like in this place, you're speaking to that powerlessness right now of like, it's up to me to get this. I don't have any help. And deep down somewhere underneath all this, I am frightened out of my mind, but I have to act like I know what I'm doing. And then it totally makes sense that, of course, there would also be rage connected to that, you know, in this place where it's like, I have no help. I've got to do it my way. Um, I'm seeing all these other people getting the support they need and able to create the things that they want to create. I'm getting all these sort of different messages. Like, where's the help for me, basically? Okay, I'm going to go take what's mine. And in doing that, I get to avoid this deeper sense of powerlessness and instead enjoy this false sense of power that I'm creating through this very intricate world of like offshore accounts and duping people. I mean, I can feel the cruelty of it, right? And as we know, that that kind of cruelty usually does exist in a place where we are kind of avoiding um, that deeper sense of powerlessness in ourselves. And, and I think the these types of behaviors, there's a maze that actually got a person to be able to do what they were doing knowingly and blame the others, like gaslight, whatever you want to call it, for their stupidity around it. Only you've created the conditions for them to trust you. So there's a way that she's created this little, like, it feels like, a house of cards made of mirrors that has a lot of mazes in it. So her way back to reality, it's like when people tell lies to, to cover their lies, to tell lies, to cover their lies. If you ask them where it started, they wouldn't be able to tell you. And what's interesting about what you just said too, it, it feels like there's just so much classic projection there as well in the place of, if we're framing this in terms of the powerlessness that Jen doesn't want to feel and then she's getting one over on these stupid people who let themselves be duped. I mean, of course, on some level, I'm sure she's looking at those people. And it is kind of an externalization of the place in herself. That, that she does not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Feels powerless. That feels like it got duped. It's like, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not that. <laughs> I've got the control. I've got the power. So, I mean, it's like, in a way, she's pointing a finger at herself saying... You know, you and that's deserve what makes it. it so sad. That's that's where I get so like it's almost like like when somebody is on tape saying something, like it's it's clear that it's them. And there's lots of people saying, This is what I heard, and here's evidence of this. And they're still saying that that's not me. I didn't say that. It's like their reality is so internal. I don't see you. I don't see what's happening out there. I only have this. I only, and if I let go of this, this is where I feel the fragility. You know, if I actually let go of this, I'm going to be so lost. I'm going to be so lost. Well, so then let me ask you this question. Because I feel like, again, this is something we have in common. I mean, I think we're both people who can really 
see someone acting out, but then sense deeper currents of vulnerability and humanity and really have deep reserves of compassion and sort of patience and understanding there. I think for me, when I did hear the news about Jen's criminality, there was a part of me that paused and basically I posed the question to myself, Jamie, do you give too much leeway? You know, when you see someone like Jen, who again had a lot of problematic behavior and, and I'll be the first to admit it. I, you know, the contrary part of me loved, you know, going on Instagram and saying, Hey, I'm into Jen. I like her, you know, and, and by the way, I still do. I mean, I do. I like her fire. I like her. I like the Jen who was taking salsa classes with her husband. I do respond to people who have heat and fire and also, fire. yeah. And, and, and the vulnerability and in that, yeah. Was I not taking seriously enough? these other signs of, um, you know, what you might call, I mean, I don't like using this language, but you know, what you might call her pathology or, you know, her, you know, the more disturbing parts of her personality. Now, I also want to throw in the caveat that this is also a, re a relationship I'm having with a TV character. So my experience of her might be very different if I were meeting her in person. But yeah, I'm just curious in this place too, where you were like, I don't want to know this about her. Like, is there something here for people like us around maybe pay a little bit more attention to, to some of the more overt signs rather than being so quick to just say, well, you know, <laughs> I sense what's underneath that and let's, you know, let's ride with that. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's a way I'm always seeing the humanity in people and I think there's a fault that I have there. So when, when things like this happen, I question, did I see that capacity in this woman? Like I was literally shocked, you know, like, how can I be shocked? I mean, I felt shocked. <laughs> it was like, somebody told me that a friend of mine, that I didn't see something about them, that they were capable of that. Everybody else was saying, Oh, Believe me, she's capable of that. I'm like, come on. We're capable of doing really shitty things if we believe that what we're doing is okay or not problematic in some way. And I don't think she saw this as a problem. No, I don't think she, she saw it as a problem. It's a solution. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an interesting question because the other thing that I'm thinking about for me anyway is that that distinction, for example, that I made a few minutes ago between how I relate to people on TV versus how I relate to people in real life, um, that actually is an important distinction because I am, you know, very intuitive um, and self-protective. I, I actually do tend to be very, I pay attention to the red flags, you know, very much so. And anything that feels kind of energetically off I really listen to, and I'm very uh, discerning, you know, about who I let in and to what degree. So for me, it almost is, I, part of me wants to say it almost feels something very specific to how I relate to these TV characters. But then I also wonder, for example, as someone who works with clients, you know, when I work with a client, part of what I'm doing, and I'm sure this is true for you too, I'm feeling what I experience as their higher self. You know, and I'm bringing that in, the potential that I, which I feel like is part of what we were doing with Jen, which again, I mean, actually now this is helping me to make more sense of it because in the place where she is a TV character, 
And there is that kind of barrier, much in the way that there is an inherent barrier with a client, right? Because it's this professional relationship or we're not like in a personal relationship. I think in some ways it is easy for us to feel the vulnerability and to feel the potential higher self. But yeah, I think about that with clients too, where, you know, sometimes I am bringing in the higher self and sometimes I wonder, am I, am I missing something about what they might be doing elsewhere in their life? that I'm not looking at because I'm so keyed in one to the higher self and two also wanting to give them space to be, you know, in other currents of energy that maybe they've felt ashamed of or sort of on the outside looks destructive because as you know and I'm I'm talking about this on social media all the time I you know I do think there's wisdom in all of our energy even Jen there's 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 wisdom in what she was doing in the sense that if she were willing to bring consciousness to her actions and to actually look at the place in her that's saying hey they deserve it oh wait that's entitlement in me oh wait where's that entitlement coming from oh wait there are these things that I suffered early on like okay let me start doing my emotional work that's wisdom right so for me Jamie as someone who's holding space for clients um, yeah, I'm always coming from the place of, yeah, let's not shame, you know, these different currents of energy and these places in you and let's find the wisdom in it. And it does, it just brings in an interesting question, um, that we don't necessarily have to answer in this moment, but yeah, as people who are working with others, just how you walk and hold that line of holding space for someone's higher self of giving them space and permission to be in all the different versions of their energy, no matter how messy, but also being willing to to really hold the possibility of what truly might be going on in the darker corners or in secret or things that they're not telling you about and and not not being so quick to dismiss possible distortions that maybe are really destructive well yeah and in, and in the you know the difference between watching a show and working with clients, we're the producers, we're the directors, right? We get to ask the questions that are meaningful for us or interesting for us. When, when we're presented a, a show, it's been edited and shaped to tell a story based on somebody else's idea of what they saw. So, or what seemed interesting to, to put out there. So for instance, somebody like Jen if she's not sharing with us where all this money is coming from, we could very well easily just believe that she's in her higher self creating this amazing life for herself. But what's incongruent is the way that she's treating people, right? Like the, the relationship issues that she's having. If, if something is flowing that open and that big, and there's all these distortions in other places, something's off, something's not working. So to kind of go into the places that aren't working, I think links you to maybe the distortions that are happening that she's not bringing in. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, two things. One, it is interesting because you're reminding me, I did have that question early on in the season of where is this money coming from? I mean, I remember really wondering about that. It's interesting, though, that I never really followed the question anywhere. I just kind of at a certain point <laughs> just kind of settled into the uncertainty and the unanswered question and then moved along. And maybe if I'd really stuck with that question, you know, because there are other people that I've wondered about who I've never 
gotten over my sense of mistrust. So, for example, Marge on New Jersey. I've never trusted Marge. And I've seen all these signs along the way. I actually, I think we should do a Marge deep dive someday because, I mean, there's so much I've seen over the years. Um, and I feel like this season she's finally... The facade is crumbling some and people are starting to see what I've been picking up on for a while. But it's interesting. Marge is another one where I just saw her house that was constantly in renovation and half finished. And just intuitively, her business made no sense to me. And I remember kind of having that same feeling of, yeah, it's this feeling. It feels like a house of cards. And yet, for some reason with Marge, I never dropped that thread. With Jen, I let the thread drop and I let my... You know why? Well, that's what I'm wondering about in this moment. I want... I mean, I think the answers that are coming to me are this. One, I do feel like I felt Jen's vulnerability and I think that goes a long way with me. I've felt her vulnerability in a way that I've not felt Marge's vulnerability. Actually, okay, now I'm getting the answer. Jen, when someone is volatile like Jen... There's something about that that I respond to and respect. There's something like that in and of itself is vulnerable. She's messy and, and she's kind of throwing it all out there. Her heat and her fire and her passions on the line. She's making mistakes. She's making messes. And there's something about that that I respond to. <laughs> now, Marge, on the other hand, because the thing is, it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's ironic. What I'm about to say is ironic given the whole premise of this episode, but what I want that, that, that current in me, what it wants to say is I prefer the devil I know or the devil that's more readily visible than the devil that's in disguise. Because for me, Marge, on the other hand, is someone she doesn't let it show. And I feel like she hides behind making everything sound good and look good. People love her. They quote unquote stan her. Marge does horribly obnoxious things and people cheer her for it. So for me, there's like a disingenuousness there that I don't trust. Whereas, yeah, when Jen's kind of making a mess of herself, I'm like, okay, well, you know, here, here it is. And in some ways, like I said earlier, there's a vulnerability to that because she opens herself up to so much criticism. Um, Does she open herself up or does she lose control? Oh, no, she absolutely loses control. I'm saying in that place where she loses control. I'm not saying she consciously or willingly does it, but in the place where she loses control, she unwittingly opens herself up to so much criticism. Whereas I feel like Marge is someone who hides a lot of this messier behavior and then has this kind of cultivated persona that everyone loves. And I, I have more mistrust for that. Now, of course, the implicit irony in all this is I'm calling Jen you know, the devil that you know, the devil that's more visible. But now here we see that actually, actually, you know, there was a devil that was quite invisible. And so maybe there is just sort of a message for me, like, you know, it's interesting as intuitive as I am. And as much as I always trust my instincts, here was one case in terms of a TV personality where I had kind of an initial tug around something and then I, I, I did sort of just drop the thread because I was touched by her vulnerability and I liked her heat and I liked her fire. And part of me also that kind of, I saw her as an underdog. Those are things that they, they foster a sense of compassion in me. And so I think I just went with those threads. 
Yeah, for some reason, trust comes to mind again. And you just mentioned it again about trusting, really trusting yourself. And I think that's ultimately in in the vein of this question that you originally asked. It's like, I can feel the place that I give up trusting myself if someone is telling me something that they believe to be true. Like somehow my edge, so to speak, is really to hold what I know a little tighter and also make room for their experience, you know, whatever it is that they're saying, but being in relationship there rather than just setting down what I was, you know, what my initial hit was, if information comes, it's like, I really want to trust people and I will, I will trust other people before I'll trust myself. And so that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm really, that this offered me what I would say this, this experience when I, when it boils down. Yeah. More refined awareness of when you abandon your own intuition and relationship. Yeah. And because it's easy to do it, like you said, in a show versus in real life, it's almost like I'm flexing that, that muscle, so to speak, to really just, okay, if I really let this go, what could open up in me as I'm just witnessing these people that I don't have to hold, I don't have to, you know, but what's happening. I think that's, Thank you. You've reconnected me with why I'm <laughs> so into these stupid shows that, you know, like I just can't get enough of. Well, let me bring in one last question before we wrap this okay. up. I'm curious about any hits, thoughts, intuitive responses, or general feelings regarding her husband and his role in this, what he may have oh. known, not known, just what, what, what comes up for you around that? Yeah, that has been, that's been interesting. I mean, my initial thought is, yeah, he knew. He knew oh, something. Wow. Whether it's he knew like we knew, <laughs> you know, like that thing that you don't want to see. Or, yeah, I, 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 I have a feeling that he's also someone that needs to believe something about themselves, you know the way he presents. So it's not like I have distrust or trust. There was something about their dynamic that felt very, I don't, I don't know what it was, something off. I don't, I can't, I can't pinpoint it, but I, th I think he knew something. Well, the vibe I always got off him towards her. Well, whenever I drop into him towards her, it's kind of like my head literally wants to turn to the side in a way. It's like, I'm not looking at you. I'm not seeing you. I'm not hearing you. I don't want to know it. And, you know, I mean, it makes so much sense just even given the the way their marriage is set up where he leaves and she's alone, you know, a lot of the time. And it, when I drop into it, it's kind of this feeling of th there's some I mean, he feels very disconnected from himself. So kind of like you're saying, like there's this there's this image that he cultivates that I think he's very invested, like he's the coach who lives in the phone and gives the pep talks and he's this upstanding guy. But when I drop into that energy, he just feels so disembodied. It just feels like he's all in his head and like neck down. He's just not feeling in any way. And it's almost like there's this woman I live with who's all fire, who's all heat, who's out of control. And there's this very undercover charge I get out of getting to sort of energetically ignore ignore her and to somehow be the sane 
rational one who gives the pep talks. Um, it's almost like a sense of I I get to dance with the devil without actually having to be the devil or to know the devil inside me. Like Jen gets to be the devil. She gets to be the crazy one. I get to avoid all the craziness in me. I guess I get to just kind of like put it on her and kind of energetically ignore her. But there's, there's, like I said, there's a charge there. There's, there's something I get out of this. It's hard for me to put into words. No, no, I think you did a great job. I could totally feel what you were saying. There's, there's a mystery though. Like, I feel like there's something to be uncovered. In terms of that emotional dynamic or in terms of the crimes and his involvement or possible involvement? Both. Like, if you go to the crimes and the involvement and all of that, that's there. But it's because of everything that you just said. Like, it's this experience is actually a uh, external picture of what you just named internally. Yeah, because, you know, what's coming to me, too, is like he was benefiting from the financial stuff. He knew they were renting a house. On some level, he had to know the financial picture. He's not dumb. Right. That's what I'm saying. I guess if I were just to get a little bit more specific or refined in terms of what I just said, it's it's this place in him. It's like if Sharif doesn't want to know his own rage and his own places where he's combustible... He gets to kind of other Jen. I guess that's what I mean by what, when I talk about the charge he gets out of ignoring her. It's like he gets to other her. And it's almost a little, when I say charge, it is a little gaslighty. It's like because he knows how volatile she is and she, he knows how much need she has. And so then it's almost like he gets to passive aggressively fuck with her by not being available. And then when she acts out, he gets to continue to other her. And so in the same way where I almost had this experience of Jen at looking at these victims and sort of seeing some sort of powerless, duped place in her, I feel like Sharif gets to look at Jen and see this sort of angry, volatile place in him and kind of fuck with it a little bit. But meanwhile, on the outside, he's presenting as this like stand-up you know, man with the, with the coach, coachly pep talks. My God! So um, I, when you were saying all this, I, first of all, she becomes the ultimate scapegoat, right? Like, I mean, she's perfect for the part. And then I remember a scene because you know I have two boys, so of course, you know, when there were scenes with her kids and stuff, I was always like, "What is this dynamic? I don't understand what's happening here with this family." But they were all sitting there. I think it was maybe even the first time that you're introduced to the family and they're talking about like porn and, and, and sex at the breakfast table or something related to getting sexting information or something like that. And the kids are like in high school or something. I don't even know how old they are, but there was a dynamic that was happening where she was made to look like the crazy mom, you know, that's asking these questions but really trying to say, hey, be careful out there. You don't, you know, like whatever she was actually trying to um, offer the kids, but she was doing it in her usual Jen Shaw way. And then the kids and the dad was there too. What's his name? Sharif. So they're all together. And there's these little sideways 
glances that are going on, you know, that the cameras are catching where, yeah, mom, mm-hmm. no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about yet. Like, but I don't have a, nope. I've never had a girlfriend. There was something like that felt so because I have boys and a husband, I get that a lot. I know when they think I'm being weird or crazy or just me. And there's this little thing that goes on this little exchange. And I, I felt that happening with them. I feel like, yes, there's a lot of orchestration around making her look like the, I wouldn't say orchestration. It, it's a byproduct of the way he keeps away from that part of him, that devilish part that you're talking about. And then what that, when I hear you say that, it just brings me back around to that question that we were holding earlier about where she learned these messages that, you know, she can't create for herself. And even though we don't have the specific answers to those questions in the place where I feel like we're constantly recreating the energetic patterns that get set early on, I just have to wonder if there's a flavor if we're getting the flavor of some of the early messaging she got um, in terms of, oh, Jen, you're the crazy one. You're out there. You're wild. You know, your energy's too much. Um, your energy's too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about a Mormon community where you're that community, you turn it off, right? This is not a community that is out there all wild and having a, you know, there's a very much a rigid way of being. And I don't know anything about her family, but you know, she's come, she has Island in her, her body moves a different way. I mean, she's, she, she represents something wild in that culture and whatever messaging, however that came around, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was a message that came that she should not have what she has, that somehow it's not okay. Right. Yeah. It's just so interesting. And so then she turns something off inside of herself or she's at odds with something inside of herself. And again, it just, it, it, even that just makes so much sense in terms of what we're talking about. If something in me, if there's something in me, I have to cut off. Even that I think could create the experience of, I can't, I can't create for myself what I want to create. You know, I don't have access to all my energy. I don't have access to all my flow. I have to, and also kind of what you were saying earlier, I have to do something different. I have to be someone different. I have to fit in with something that's not authentically me. And even when I say that, I start to feel the heat in my heart. I, you know, I hear the words that say, it's not fucking fair because this isn't me. You know, and this isn't how my energy would flow. This isn't how I would create for myself. So, again, maybe this is part of the place where she felt for herself, the system has let me down. So now I get to cheat the fucking system. And guess what? I'm going to do it my way, motherfuckers. Like, that's kind of what I hear. Like, you're not going to let me have my way. Like, in the world, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to be creating offshore accounts and doing things in secret. And it feels so fucking good. It's just like, I just you see her giving the middle finger. It's like, fuck all of you. And loving it. And also, everybody does it. This isn't, you know, this isn't rocket science. Like, I'm not really doing anything that's not being done already in other places. I'm just an individual doing it to other individuals. Like, she's again, mimicking size. She, 
she's smart. She looked and saw <laughs> how to do it. And then she did it. Well, I feel like we navigated a lot. Any last thoughts, comments, takeaways just for closure around the Jen Shaw piece for now? I don't know, man. Just I hope she's able to reconcile this. I hope there's some some come to Jesus moment where she actually gets to feel what she's done to other people so that she can actually start a journey of of um, coming home, you know, coming back to the place that she was cut off. I mean, it'd be nice for her. I'm skeptical at this point. I think I've, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I'm a little disillusioned. I, I think just seeing the Instagram presence, the fact that she's pleading not guilty, it just, and, and, you know, that is what she's, you know, online, she's saying, this isn't true. You know, she's thanking the fans who support her and believe in her. And it's just when I, I mean, of course, you know, what do I really expect? But when I see her digging her heels in and kind of maintaining what I pretty much assume is this lie of her innocence, um, it just makes me feel like you kind of like what you were saying. You're, you're just so deep in the hall of mirrors and I don't, I don't think you're willing to, to get out of it, but Having said that, you never know. You never know. That's a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. Like that is going to be that. That's where bitterness is bred. You know, like I could imagine her spending time in in prison, just bitter if that's you know if what you're seeing plays out for sure, which is so tragic. Well, especially again in the place where this all stemmed from a feeling of getting cheated in the first place. And it's like, I was just doing what I knew to do, you know, and now look, (sighs) all right. Well, Piper, as always, it's a joy and it's a pleasure and a privilege. Thanks for being here with me today. My pleasure, Jamie. Thank you for, uh, for having me. And as always, Feel free to follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. There's tons of Bravo-related content. And if you're feeling called to doing any sort of work together, head on over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com. Send me an email, and I will see you guys next time. 